0: Hey friends, Dan Schreiner here with the Disciple Hinson podcast. It is a new year and Hinson has a new tenant in the Annex building. Actually, they're not very new. They've been there for a few months now. Uh, Church Venture or CB Northwest has moved out and is mainly working remotely these days. And First Image has moved in. Uh, Larry Gadbaugh, the CEO of First Image and his team uh, promoting sanctity of life and image of God issues. Um, are doing good work, and we have partnered with them for some time, so it's great to uh, hear from Larry today and to continue to support this important gospel work. So I hope you listen and enjoy. Larry Gadbaugh, welcome to the Disciple Henson podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you. Uh, Larry, who are you? We start
1: with the deep questions here. Well, let me get my wallet out and check. Um, well, I've, uh, I'm a native to Oregon, native to Gresham, Oregon, as my dad was as well, <laughs> and uh, grew up uh, was part of the first graduating class of Barlow High School and came to Christ in high school reading First John, <laughs> and um, started following the Lord after that, was mentored and discipled in a uh, church in Gresham. And um, got my bachelor degree from Multnomah Bible School before it was a university, and uh, also graduated from Western Seminary. You and my dad went to Western together, is yes, that right? Yes, that's right. Uh, we were in Hebrew class together. Yeah, and uh, that's as close to uh, brilliance as I've been. <laughs> do you
0: still remember your Hebrew? I do.
1: Some wow, are, no, that's I mean, better I, than I can say for myself. Yeah, I don't read. You know, I don't read it, but I know yeah. how to use the tools. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, since I majored in it, I should remember something. Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> and so, uh, and then I pastored at Grace Community Church for a couple of decades, where my wife and I were were members there in Gresham.
0: Yeah, yep. Mm-hmm. And you are currently—I uh, didn't look up your title. I'm going to guess executive director of First Image. That'll work. Is that what? What is it really? It's, it's technically CEO. I don't know what the CEO. difference is. Yeah. Okay. And you you employ. At least two of our church members, Ashley Mills, mm-hmm. Amy Kohlberg. Yes. And David Fisher serves on the board of directors, he's, or he did?
1: He's the board chair. He's the board chair. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. So lots of lots of connections with Henson. Mm-hmm. You've you've preached on a Sunday evening at Henson before. We've been engaged with, with you guys in your mission at First Image. Although Some will be listening to this podcast, and they won't know anything about First Image. As much as we talk about it and pray about it, uh, we've got new people to the Church. So why don't you just tell us briefly about what First Image is, maybe a little bit about its history and how you became uh, a part of it. Sure.
1: Well, uh,
0: First Image started as a crisis
1: pregnancy center in 1984. Hmm. Uh, Randy Alcorn was on the steering committee, along with some others, and uh, it was a grassroots... uh, startup just like most of the prcs in the nation are uh the portland prc i call it the prc now uh uh was like the 15th one to start in the nation
0: in the nation okay
1: yeah and there's someplace between 2500 and 3000 of them now wow in the united states okay so it grew and uh multiplied its uh, number of centers through the years And then I started in 2001, in March of 2001, uh, after having pastored at Grace Community Church. uh, Someone came and put the job posting on my desk and said, this sounds like you, you need to do this. And I read it and threw it away because it said something about major donor development. And I said, I'm not going to do that. They rebuked me for not praying. (laughs) And as I I already knew about the ministry, because I had served on uh, the steering committee for the Gresham PRC. Okay. And, And... Fairly early in my walk with Christ, I came to a very strong uh, conviction about the sanctity of human life. Uh, I did. I read a lot of Francis Schaeffer, Mm -hmm. and uh, was really influenced there. And then, um, so I already had that conviction. And then, as I examined, as I explored uh, the actual workings of PRC, uh, in the process, I became convinced that it's one of the most Essential and strategic ministries of Christ in this in this culture, mm. and uh, really came to believe, and I still believe that if we do this well, it raises the water level of you know the whole work of the kingdom because mm. there's there's not very many other things that are under siege as directly as the sanctity of human life of the preborn and the uh, the welfare of the mother.
0: Yeah. Now. So, some who might be listening might be uh, images might be being conjured of that your job is to maybe organize like protests and picketing outside of abortion clinics and uh, think of it mainly as a political movement. And when I say political, I'm thinking about public policy mm-hmm. and uh, politicians writing, you know. Um, but talk to talk about first. First image has several different branches now, and talk about the the relationship that First Image has to the pro life movement. I know that's kind of broad, but mm-hmm. kind of, can you can you go with that? Yeah, yeah.
1: I would say that uh, pregnancy resource centers, as they're mostly known now, which we have three of okay. those under the umbrella of First Image, okay, um, is I would say kind of the second wave. Of the pro-life movement the first wave was primarily after roe v wade yes. in 1973 was primarily a reaction to uh against that uh supreme court decision trying to instigate uh legislation and protests and so forth to overturn roe v wade and so it's primarily an issue of public policy Um uh, not very far into it people said you know we need to care about the woman as much as as the pre-born baby and so really it was out of that impetus that that the uh, that the compassionate uh, impulse of the pro-life movement arose and that was primarily expressed in things like crisis pregnancy centers pregnancy resource centers and so forth and so uh, first image is part of that okay and and even though of course, what goes on with public policy affects all of us and our neighbors and women who face unsupported pregnancy, so we pay attention to that. but our uh, our mission and our activity, our programs and everything are non-political. Mm. It's really focused on the gospel it's focused on loving our neighbor, loving the neighbor who is impacted by um, by unsupported pregnancy, and and by the public policy, because the the voice, the dominant voice of our culture around an un, uh, an unplanned pregnancy, is uh, actually promoting of abortion. Almost every public institution. Sure. So really, it it falls back on the church, the Christian community, and ministries like pregnancy resource centers to be that uh, that more. Uh, that wiser, more compassionate voice that really treats everyone involved in that uh, relationship and and in that pregnancy, treats them all as if they're actually created in the image of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Praise God. And the the Lord has, um, I'm thankful for how the Lord has gifted you. I mean, you have a uh, pastoral background and just your your giftings and the people that you've surrounded yourself with at, uh, the team and I mean I'm even thinking of Ashley yeah. and, and Amy and David and Luke and and many others to have that that winsome loving approach because I, I must I must say that when the issues of abortion are just even come up in ordinary conversation with uh, say neighbors or friends who uh, don't know the Lord. I, I often feel like I'm kind of put back on my heels or I'm walking on eggshells because of how of uh, a divisive and emotive issue abortion is. Um, so did you did was that a challenge for you when you first started getting involved in the in first image and in the in the movement, like always kind of feeling like you were walking on eggshells or back on your heels? What was that like for you?
1: Yeah, I don't walk on eggshells real well, but it it did mean, uh, as it has in every aspect of ministry, where you have to, you know, we have to exercise self-restraint out of Mm -hmm. love.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, I have to do that with my grandchildren, too.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. You know,
1: so you don't say everything, you know, and you don't just run directly to the argument or to, you know, to... uh, to own somebody, you know, like, yeah. like we talk about. Right. So, uh, yeah, it is a challenge, and it continues mm. to be a challenge, because uh, unity um, across the the spectrum of the pro-life movement, and it's a broad spectrum, uh, has never been its strong point. I often say that we're never more tempted, uh, we're never more at risk than when we're right, because... Mm. Being right on an issue and knowing that we're right when it comes to ethics and morality and yeah. God's absolutes about human life—it's uh, a real thin line between that and moving into self-righteousness. That's right. And so, to bring anger to that is something that we have to deal with because it is outrageous for, to treat women and babies as if the, as if there's something you know less than than
0: uh, created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really helpful. Talk about what partnerships you guys are a nonprofit organization. You're you're faith based. Yes. So you partner with um, lots of churches. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what kind of churches do you guys partner with?
1: Uh, it's really a broad spectrum. Also, you know, yeah. across denominations. Okay. Uh, numerous different kinds of denominations, um, very small churches to you know really large ones. Okay. So uh, it's a it's a real variety. Uh, I would say that you know with the shifting. Uh, of the culture of the church in Portland, Mm. especially, Mm -hmm. um, that that's been a challenge. There's been a change in the way that the Christian community has viewed or has related to the Pregnancy Resource Center. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Part of it is the deepening uh, political polarization and and what what seems to me like uh, it seems like the Christian community Uh, seems to, at large, in a generalization, seems to have as strong of an identity with its political stances as it does with uh, our eternal (laughs) identity in Christ. And so that's part of the challenge. And, I mean, it's important because, uh, you know, we care about justice, because we care about mercy, we care about the gospel, and and we should. Uh, But that, that has created a challenge in continuing partnerships with those who have long, been long-term uh, partners with us as churches we've seen some distancing not out of conviction but just uh, also because church leaders are facing so many issues uh, because of the sexual revolution and the gender issues and all those kinds of things and because as they're reaching out to uh, Gen X and and uh, you know millennials and so forth they're they're there's so much more discipleship that needs to go on there to bring to bring the broader body of Christ along to that. And so, you know, we're all aware of the fact that there's some generational challenges in bringing the whole body of Christ um, under his lordship and under the truth of his word. And so I think a lot of uh, pastoral leaders are facing that. I mean, we've all faced it for a long time, I think, is it's the, uh, the stakes have just gotten even higher. Sure. So that's a challenge. Um, But we're finding that if we listen and if we are humble and learn and listen along with uh, pastors, which we develop those relationships, their heart is still there um, uh, around the sanctity of human life. But how we think about it and how we present ourselves, it's almost as if we need to distinguish, to carefully distinguish between the political legislative strategy – which is important, and the ministerial strategy, the uh, loving our neighbor strategy, the gospel strategy, and uh, and the challenge for pastors, of course, you know, how do you integrate that?
0: Yeah, well, maybe you can just even throw out a few uh, suggestions. Um, it will the sanctity of human life will be something that that we as believers and we as Hinson will be. Um, Remembering on particularly, I think it's on January twenty second in twenty twenty one. Maybe a small way that we you would encourage us as individual Christians and as a church to be praying and supporting the sanctity of life um, this this next month or this this January.
1: Yeah, um, I think there's a lot of ways of doing that, and I think uh, and. And my friends at Oregon Right to Life, who are, are wonderful people, and uh, and I appreciate their work in the public policy area, have said that that the way that the, the easiest way for the church to uh, connect with the mission of the sanctity of human life, of upholding the dignity of every human person conceived, uh, is easiest to relate to. A ministry like Pregnancy Resource Center, because it is focused on the individual. It is focused on ministering truth and grace to that person at that crossroads. And so, uh, I, I think, you know, not to sound uh, self-promoting for First Image, but I think to think of it first and foremost in terms of the ministry of the gospel and the ministry of loving our neighbor first, and then uh, down the down the line, it's outworking. In how we support uh, public policy that upholds the sanctity of life of every person, so I think that's one way. Is how do we think about it? How do we talk about it? And so the Sanctity of Human Life season or Sunday is a good time for us to, to bring that um, to, you know, to right to our, our frontal lobes, and how to talk and how to think about it. In, in, in doing that. I think prayer mm-hmm. is really crucial. I think uh, being informed, being educated uh, about it so that uh, even though that's more of an apologetic approach, um, I think that the better we, the better our conviction is formed and that we're clear and confident in why we believe what we believe mm-hmm. about the full personhood of, of the baby from conception, then um, we're less likely to react out of fear and anger mm-hmm. and, and communicate about that. Mm-hmm. And also a humility, humility is crucial. Mm-hmm. And, and that we're more motivated by love for the person that we're interacting with, especially those who, who have been so basically discipled by the culture. And that can include a lot of other Christians as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that humility and that listening ear, that learning and, and, uh, and the lament for the impact that this has on women and men, and children, uh, in our culture, uh, to start there, I think is really important.
0: That, actually, that's given me a good idea. We just recently, or within the last few years, introduced as one of our categories of prayer on Sunday mornings, this prayer of lament. That's so wonderful! What an appropriate um, thing to lament uh, this this month. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys, are you guys going to do the baby bottle uh, campaign fundraiser in this next month, or you're going to nix it because of COVID? Uh, yeah, we're not
1: really <laughs> we're not really doing that. We don't want to, you know, get in the news for being, you know, s- some of those who are are contributing to the spread of that. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: seems wise. Yeah, you can still contribute uh, financially online on your website. Yes, uh, to the to the mission. Yeah. In fact, Ashley. Is at the forefront
1: of uh, helping to develop that web page, and Ashley's just amazing at uh, finding ways for uh, people in churches uh, to volunteer mm-hmm. and to connect and to, to mobilize uh, their compassion, you know, towards yeah. those that we serve. So one of those things, and you can see it on our website, which is first-image.org, um, is is to put together a baby basket. Of things that uh, that are helpful to the to the mother mm. for her newborn baby, and then we mm. also have mommy baskets that are uh, that are great things to give to the mother in encouragement and the things that she needs.
0: That's excellent. Yeah, I hope our church can come behind that in a, in a big way. Um, let's talk about something that can be uncomfortable, as we already mentioned, to talk about, but we want to talk about abortion more specifically. Now and uh, I was helped in just looking over. It looked like a new resource from Randy Alcorn entitled "Pro Choice or Pro Life: Examining Fifteen Pro Choice Claims." What do facts and common sense tell us? Um, I'll put that in the in the uh, podcast notes. But um, I saw Randy dedicated this book in part to you. Well,
1: I guess uh, my name's in there. So, yeah, he asked me to read uh, the manuscript beforehand okay. uh-huh. and uh, was able to do that. Randy and I have known each other since high school. We went to high school together. He's three years behind me. Uh, his best friend was my wife's uh, husband. And, you know, so we've been connected. We were both mentored, you know, in our early years uh, in Christ. And so, yeah, there are a lot of connections there. Randy, yeah, Randy is a has been a national leader mm-hmm. in uh, the life issue uh, since then, and uh, and he and he's a great thinker, and mm-hmm. and Randy is comprehensive about everything that he does. If you've ever looked at any of his books, there's nothing that he hasn't read on an issue and so forth. So, yeah. so this most recent one, I think, is a is a great tool. Um, it takes 15 uh, questions, mm-hmm. and it tries to present um, the, you know, the information about it, uh, to people to think through how to address those questions. So I think it's a great place to start, uh, in equipping ourselves, how to think about the issue of abortion. Um, and by the way, if, if anyone, any of your hearers here, uh, want a copy of it, Randy's given first image, free copies of it. So, We'd be, we'd love to give it to you. We can oh, run, that's great. we can run across the annex and, yeah. and provide it. Yeah, later.
0: no, I I w- we would love to provide that resource. We often give we are big on giving away books here at Hinson, so that sounds really helpful. Uh, so you you would recommend this book? It's dedicated to you. You're friends with Randy. You kind of have to recommend it, but you think it's a helpful resource.
1: I, I willingly recommend. Will- it, yes, <laughs> good.
0: good. Um, we we've talked about uh, talking about abortion in the church and as Christians, how that can be difficult. Um, the, the claim could be made uh shouldn't we just focus on the gospel and not talk about things like abortion but you've already kind of hinted that an issue sanctity of life and the gospel are connected can you take like a minute or so to con- to connect the dots for us how is an issue like abortion connected to the gospel and the mission of the church well abortion highlights the fact
1: that we don't we don't even agree in our culture about what a human being is and what a person is. Now we all agree we're supposed to love our neighbor, but throughout history we've never agreed on who our who our neighbor is that's worth loving and who we should eliminate.
0: Mm-hmm. Abortion
1: is our current uh, bad example of that. So, uh, in and so I think that by uh, having a Christ-like uh, commitment and action. On loving our neighbor who are who are facing unplanned pregnancy, it forces us to integrate the great commandment and the great commission, and it's that we we are signposts to the gospel by the way that we treat the least among these throughout the prophets, it's it, the test case for whether Israel got it about what it meant to love God was how are you treating the widow and the orphan? Yeah. Yeah. James 117 or 127 says the same thing yeah so it's a test case for whether we're really getting the gospel
0: right any th- any rules of engagement like do you cringe when you hear certain phrases or statements about abortion and you're just like Christians just shouldn't say that or you know any 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 thoughts there
1: well again I think that uh, especially on an interpersonal, interaction mm-hmm. is remember uh, the the thing that's convicting to me is that the first thing I should do is that I should uh, think about the person I'm talking to and uh, treat them as if I believe they were created in the image of God,
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and mm-hmm. so that takes me down a couple notches right there. Yeah. So while I'm arguing for the full personhood of the preborn, I don't want to treat the person across the table as if uh, I think they're subhuman. So uh, I'm an aide on the Enneagram, so you know I have an issue with this. So um, I think praying about this, these are opportunities for us to humble ourselves and to repent. Uh, of our own again, our self-righteousness and our pride in these things. As these, I mean, I get exercised about this. So mm-hmm. it, we have mm-hmm. to, we have to bring that, you know, mm-hmm. under Christ's lordship. I think uh, listening, again, it's, it's so basic. Listen to the person. Hear what is it that, and ask the question, what is it that brings them to their perspective on this? Usually, it's not. Uh, not always, but usually, it's not terribly deeply thought through, and so learning how to ask questions. I think of John chapter four, you know, the way Jesus Jesus knows how to reveal the help the person reveal their heart to themselves, and I mean that's important in evangelism, and and so to practice that love of the gospel for the person, we're helping them to come to the light, to the truth. Second Corinthians four says that. That uh, people are blinded to the gospel because the God of this age blinds them to the image of God. Mm. And so um, there's a blindness, there's a spiritual warfare here. So, you know, prayer again is absolutely crucial. Um, and I think ask, ask as many or more questions uh, than we do, you know, start making arguments and statements, uh, offer resources mm. that, that mm. fit. Mm-hmm. So an apologetic, if, if the questions are initially apologetic, you could use a, a book like Randy's. If it's mm-hmm. another kind of thing, you know, then, then something that, that fits. And make yourself available to mm-hmm. assist mm-hmm. and conduct the conversation in such a way that it leaves it open for further conversation mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. seeing it just as a transaction, as an initial transaction uh, that you have to win. Now those are just basic things, you know, about the way we relate to people, but they yeah. certainly, they certainly apply to a volatile issue like abortion.
0: Now, when you're talking to someone maybe that you don't know um, on a deep level about this issue, especially if they're they would identify as pro-choice, mm-hmm. are you? Do you have it in the back of your mind that you it's there's a very good chance that you're talking to someone whose life has been touched by abortion?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I, I assume uh, I assume that all of us have been impacted by someone in our network of uh, right. uh, by abortion. I mean, the, the statistics tell us that one out of four women in the United States uh, have had an abortion, at least one abortion. Okay? So there are people we're sitting with in the congregation, yeah. people in our extended family, whether we know about them or not, about their story or not. And so to always, when we're making, communi- when we're making statements about the truth of the sanctity of life and what abortion is, and, and, and even using words like murder, which...
0: Uh, I was about to ask that, do you, use, do you talk about abortion that way?
1: No. Uh-huh. No, we don't. Uh-huh. I mean, it is murder. Or at least manslaughter, because it's you know because they're not intentional. They're they're confused or deceived about the life in the womb.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Some are, Mm -hmm. and um, but it just it just slams the door shut, and it's a statement of judgment. Mm. So uh, to talk about it publicly like that closes the door. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if if our if our if our motivation of the Gospel is to go after the lost sheep, uh, the, you know, the one that's, that's strayed, and there's a lot more than one, um, then we do what we can to, to open the door, rather than close the door. Not compromising on truth, mm-hmm. but there's a time for that. Again, I think of Jesus' example, with someone who is very vulnerable, like, like the woman at the well.
0: Mm-hmm. We're gonna do kind of rapid-fire a few, a few uh, quick questions. Are the labels pro-life and pro-choice helpful? It's on Randy's book, but um, in your ministry with First Image, do you seek to steer away from those labels? Yeah, we do. You do? Yeah.
1: Okay. We, we speak in other terms, again, because those are primarily, uh, in all the media, is primarily used as political uh, labels, mm-hmm. and so it's just not helpful yeah. individually. Uh, and believe me, I've been in groups for 19 years of saying, "Let's use a different term," and it's just it's just too big a mountain to overcome. So, yeah. so it. But whenever we can to, uh, you know, to give the give the caveats for the use of those terms.
0: Yeah. Tell Tell us a little bit about what's happening in terms of abortion in our country. Um, I've seen some statistics saying that. Uh, abortion's on the decline, is that true? It is on the decline in terms of all the stats
1: that we see. Uh, Randy mentions in his book, I think there was a 7, 7% decline, uh, I think in 2018, not in one year, but you know, over mm. the previous years, three or four years, it was a 7% decline. The challenge to those statistics, like a lot of statistic issues, um, is that uh, not all states are tracking are giving the same kind of uh, uh, statistics on abortion. Um, chemical abortions are not uh, counted in the same way across the United States. Uh, the morning-after pill is not counted as a uh, as an abortifacient, and and there's debate about whether it does or not, and so forth. So there's there's a lot of things, but most likely overall there has been some percentage of decline. In abortions,
0: Larry, I so appreciate you taking the time mm-hmm. to have this conversation. This has been really helpful. We look forward to continuing to hear more from from you and from uh, the fine ladies who are involved in your in your ministry, who are a part of our church. Any ways that we can be uh, praying for you in particular and for the ministry of First Image?
1: Yeah, for wisdom, for discernment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, we've uh, we're going we're going through so many changes uh, in, in adjusting to the culture that's changing to, uh, you know, we're, we're moving more into telemedicine, Mm. uh, so that our initial contact with more of our clients are coming on the phone first. And we want to be very effective at that. Uh, we, of course, there's so much more protocol that we're having to do right now before they're able to come in and meet with, with one of our staff. Uh, so, so our staff is just facing a lot of that. Plus, they have to exercise the courage because they're being exposed to the public daily. Now we do all the protocol and so forth, but still a risk. So pray for God to continue to protect us. To this date, God has protected any of our 25 staff from uh, contracting COVID-19. Mm. We're very thankful Praise for them. God. Yeah. Uh, so health and uh, strength and and it has been emotionally tough too. Yeah. And so for. I would say the primary thing is to pray for us is that we, and this is a big theme for us, is that all of us continue to abide in Christ,
0: because
1: mm. we can't produce fruit that lasts unless, mm-hmm. except for our abiding in Christ, and that is the core of who we are. And for opportunities, open doors for the gospel, and mm. we pray often that God would bring those that are facing unsupported pregnancy, bring them to us, or bring them to, to you, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Bring to those who will give them, give them hope for life. They're... They really need hope, and that we would, that hope, the hope of Christ would just exude from us, and that we, we'd we have opportunities for the gospel.
0: Can I pray for us right now? Please do. Heavenly Father, we do uh, pray to the, to that end. We pray that, uh, Lord, the First Image staff would continue to abide in you, Jesus, and that they would share the hope that is within them, the hope of the gospel, that they would be compassionate and humble as they, as they talk to those who come into their... Uh, clinics and as they talk to people on the phone. Uh, Lord, we pray for your hand of protection on this ministry. Preserve them. Lord, we thank you for protecting the the First Image staff here in Portland from uh, COVID, and we pray that you would continue to do that, uh, protect their health, protect them spiritually, protect them from the enemy, from the evil, one who would seek to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, Father, we, we do continue to pray uh, for your hand of protection on the unborn. We pray for, um, for men and women to be strong and courageous. Uh, Lord, to to make what are so often difficult decisions, but that they would do so in a a way that honors you and glorifies you, and that you would bring, uh, Lord, the First Image staff and volunteers and churches, Christians, uh, into the lives of those who are hurting and facing unsupported pregnancies, and that they would speak life and show love in practical and gospel ways. Uh, So, Lord, we we do thank you for, for Larry, for his vision, for his leadership. Um, and we thank you that our church can be partnered with this gospel ministry, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Larry, you've been great. Thank you so much.